0: Welcome to the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. My name is Nicole Van Tassel. And I'm Erin Sadler. And we are two science teachers dedicated to helping you cut through the confusion and meet the intent of the NGSS so you can master all three dimensions. The NGSS can seem totally overwhelming, but implementing these standards doesn't need to be. guys, welcome to the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. Uh, this is Nicole Van Tassel with... Hi, it's Erin Sadler. We actually get to talk to each other today. Yes. Um, so we are going to be talking about how you can use the science and engineering practices together to impor- in, um, improve or um, support your instruction and support student learning. So before we dive into like how you can group them together, let's just really quickly review what those science and engineering practices are. So basically the NGSS, I mean, if you've been listening for a while, you you know this, has like the three dimensions: the disciplinary core ideas, and that's your content, the science and engineering practices, and those are the science skills. And then the cross-cutting concepts. And we're actually going to be talking about cross-cutting concepts um, in another episode as well. But uh, we're just focusing on the science and engineering practices right now. Uh, and and then, um, so the science and engineering practices are really like what students are doing to learn or to discover or to like figure out the content. So you're using them not like you would um, in quotation marks here, the scientific method where you just do a science lab and you go through the method and then you're done. Rather, you you are using them in your classroom daily, like, throughout all of your lessons. And you're not using, like, all of them at once necessarily. There's – you're using elements of them to help students discover the content. Um, but that said, like, some practices support other practices. So that's really what we're going to talk about today. And Erin has a lot of really good ideas that we're going to, like – of how you can join those practices together. So she's going to kind of take the lead with some of like her ideas here. But I just want to give you a quick synopsis of those practices. And, again, you can find them. We love the NSTA um, matrix, and I'll link to that in the show notes as well. And it breaks down all those practices. We kind of talk about it a lot. Um, but there's the eight practices. So asking questions and defining problems, developing and using models, planning and carrying out investigations, analyzing and interpreting data, using math and computational thinking, constructing explanations and designing solutions, two more, engaging in argument from evidence, and obtaining, evaluating, and communicating information. So, it's a lot of words.
1: Yeah, a lot of ways. Um, Yeah, I think um, I also think it's important for us to just kind of think about the fact that we don't have to use the same science and engineering practices that are listed in the performance expectation. And we should really be using these kind of like interchangeably and teaching students how to use them rather than just thinking about those PEs because the performance expectations are just saying how they should be assessed, not necessarily how they should be using them in total.
0: Oh, yes. That's such a good point because sometimes we, like, see those performance expectations for the unit and you're like, oh, all I'm doing is developing models. But before you can get to the modeling, you might have to, like, do an investigation to get the information or you might use the models to construct an explanation, you know. So that's true. You are definitely not limited and that's why – Well, that's actually why I kind of love that NSTA matrix because it breaks down the bits and pieces. So you can see like within planning and carrying out an investigation, maybe you're just evaluating the accuracy of different methods for like collecting data. So you don't even have to do the whole investigation. You can just do like one little bit or piece of it in your lessons. So, and those are that's how you can fit it in without only sticking to that big performance expectation.
1: Yeah, it gets really boring if you're just sticking to one science and engineering practice. So yeah. it's nice to kind of mix it up a little bit for the kids, especially like later in your school year. You know, you might want to introduce them one at a time. But um, but once students get the grasp of using those science and engineering practices, then you can start using them together.
0: Yes. Great point. Yes. Okay, so let's talk about how you like start almost like bundling the science and engineering practices, how you use them to like support each other and then support learning.
1: Um, Well, uh, so I usually like try to incorporate asking questions into pretty much everything um, because I think that it's so important that students are asking questions all the time. And in order to have a student, um, a student led environment, you really need to to incorporate that practice in every lesson just about. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that. That science and engineering practice goes so well with so many other science and engineering practices, like, for example, um, planning and carrying out investigations um, and also engaging in an argument, because we often tell students when they're engaging in an argument that they're answering a question. So
0: that question has to come from somewhere. Oh, that's a good idea. Well, and that's how, like, when you're having an argument, you know, and like engaging in an argument with somebody, you aren't just both spitting your ideas at each other like you have to ask questions to clarify or ask questions about the methods or you know ask questions to have it be like a real discussion so that's true like your students really need to be able to ask questions to listen and then ask questions from that information or to examine the data and ask questions from that data to really engage in argumentation so that makes absolutely. Total sense absolutely
1: yeah, absolutely. And I think you hit on a good point that we'll, that we're talking about um, methodology a lot in middle school. You know, students are really starting to understand planning and carrying out investigations on such a deeper level that they can really start asking questions about, like, did you really use the right tool to make make this, you know, an accurate measurement and, you know, stuff that's a lot more um, intensive than you would see in earlier grade spans.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's true it's definitely getting more complicated. And then by the time you get to high school, like hopefully, just because I know in, in reality many students are not exposed to any science or very little science in middle in elementary school. I mean. so right. a lot of times in middle school you are starting from scratch whereas in high school you you can build on the experiences and the skills students have. So it's like more of just refining in high school a lot of the times. Obviously they're learning more right. stuff, but refining to improve. We're in middle school, sometimes you're just starting, like, how to do it at all. Right. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So, um, and I think that that... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, Um. so I think that argumentation is also one that I like to use often because I think that it's so important in allowing students to discuss their misconceptions mm-hmm. and give them that platform to... Um, to really figure out which answer is correct and I, I like I often pair that one with like modeling um or analyzing and interpreting data you know to give them the opportunity to try to figure out that piece by themselves yeah especially when there's two different explanations
0: that's yeah that's that's awesome because that's 100% true we want students to like figure out which is the better interpretation or which is the better model or something like that so you really need to have them be able to engage in that argumentation okay so like if we're talking about a sequence like an instructional sequence like how might you tie those three practices together or can you like can you give us like maybe an example of like when you would start pulling in the different practices in like Okay, and so I always use the word instructional sequence instead of lesson because I feel like lesson, some people think of it as like, oh, a three-day lesson, and some people are like, bell to bell is one lesson, But like mm-hmm. a sequence is more like a complete, here's an objective, here we learned the, like we discovered and learned the objective, and now we're done learning the objective, or we're moving on to the next objective. So it's like a complete circle or bundle. Yeah.
1: I, um, I've started to do the same thing too because I think that like when you start using terms like lessons and units that – it means really different things to different people. Yeah. So yeah. So um so recently we looked at um at like an impact crater activity with my middle school students. Um so we started with the question, how does mass affect the size of a crater? Okay. Um and we use like a ping pong ball and a golf ball and cause they're similar in size. So um so oh, then yeah. I provided them with a then I provided them with an outline for, um, for creating their own um, investigation. So um, we used that practice of planning and carrying out investigations. Um, they had to like determine their controls. They had to um, figure out what the independent dependent variable were, and then at the end of that sequence, then they had to engage in an argument and and explain how they thought math us affected the size of an impact crater.
0: Okay. So did you, you gave them the question for this like lesson or sequence, you know, sequence. Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. I definitely did. <laughs> and and that's like perfectly okay. I feel like sometimes teachers think that like students have to do, like either they have to discover everything or figure out everything themselves or, um, you know, like it's like extremes. They think I either gave them like in the past we gave students everything, you know, the mm-hmm. question, the the methods the, how to collect the data that ta- the data table like we give them everything and like now we're moving more toward giving them more freedom but you don't have to totally give them all of a sudden 100 freedom right we can just do
1: no definitely not and we're we're in transition this year we're piloting so um so we're piloting, piloting two different curricula so like, my entire year sequence doesn't flow very well. So sometimes I have to, you know, just give them the question that I want them to investigate and yeah. just kind of live with that.
0: Yeah, which which is fine. Again, like, if you're focusing on yeah. investigations, then it's okay at that moment to just give them the question, you know? I think, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. It's the same, like, even in some of the performance expectations, like, at the middle level where it's talking about, like, carrying it, planning and carrying out an investigation is the PE. When you look at Mm -hmm. like the evidence statement and not that like evidence statement is the end all be all, but like it gives you some insight. A lot of times it even references with the given investigation plan, like they don't have to make it up on their own. You can provide them one or you can work together to make one or whatever.
1: Right. And, um, I, I don't know how I didn't realize this before, but um, not all of the subcomponents of the science and engineering practices are um, included in the performance expectations. Mm-hmm. So, like there are pieces of the science and engineering practices that um, that the people who wrote the framework are and the standards are expecting that that aren't necessarily being assessed because they you know like pare it down enough to where it was it
0: right. They, Like, um, uh, sorry, I thought we cut out. Um, yeah, like some of them say, like, the standard is planning and carrying out an investigation is the skill, but maybe really they're only looking for collecting data to use as evidence. Right. Right. Which, right. again, you can find that whole breakdown in the NSTA matrix. I mean, you can find it in the NGSS documents, but I just really mm-hmm. like the matrix with the tabs and everything on the NSTA yeah. site. So I always refer to that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, sorry. You have your impact creator. So, like, tell us more. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think – I don't know. I don't know if I can go to too many details on that. That one's not oh, the, the best example. part of that but... curriculum. Well, uh, it, I actually rewrote the whole thing because it, the curriculum was really bad. Oh, but, okay. So we should probably edit that out. I mean, I got you, Alex. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I, so that's why I set it up that way. But maybe we should switch in a different direction. So okay, don't to,
0: <laughs> <laughs> say that like, um, I'm giving away yeah. trade secrets here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I hope yeah. they, uh, the curriculum creators here, aren't listening to my my description. Yeah. Um, okay, so. Let's say your students, you gave them the question, but now they are investigating that question and they design an investigation. How do you, like, what are some ways that you would incorporate argumentation into that sequence there then?
1: Um, I think that in this case, um, we were really focusing on using those practices together. So they were able to figure out within like 30 seconds. That as the mass increased, the size of the crater increased. Um, that wasn't necessarily what we were focusing on. Like they were able to get that content piece, okay. but just figuring out how to um, how to identify different variables and how to set up a control and um, and then using that information that they collected in order to um, in order to build an argument. Like to go through the entire process. Um, in using like relatively easy stuff, you know, so that we weren't really necessarily looking for that content piece. We were right. more looking okay. at those, at those practices.
0: Okay. Right. Because it's easier. Like you have you ever seen that example where you are basically teaching students to like argue um and it uses a CER format, which again, isn't mm-hmm. the end all be all of argumentation, but you give them a picture of like, it's, it's like a cartoon and it's somebody who is at the bottom of the steps and they're they're like dead or something like that. And then the students have to argue like what happened based on just the clues in the picture. And you could argue mm-hmm. that the person fell or you could argue that they were pushed and then there's different like pieces of evidence scattered. Mm-hmm. And I really like that activity because it's you're using the skill but you're doing it in a way that's super not – stressful or like overwhelming because it's just a cartoon. It's not like real science content with vocabulary with the right or wrong answer, you know? So students can kind of experience that without like the complexities of like real content. So basically that's kind of what you did, right? Like,
1: yeah. Yeah. For this particular case. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I could, you know, see how you could use like argumentation too, even in designing their experiments or You know, if you were, like, let's say you did want everybody to carry out the same, um, like, methods, but you could have them kind of engage in that argumentation of, like, we should do it this way or that way, you know, like, you said you used a ping pong and a golf ball, but what if in the… When you first start, you just say, like, what balls are we using? And they have to argue, well, we should use these two or these three or something like that because that's obviously going to make a difference if somebody's like, oh, I'm going to use a baseball and I'm going to use a golf ball because the baseball is much larger. <laughs>
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, and like um, one of the controls that they had to figure out was that they needed to drop the ball from the same distance every time. Oh, yeah. And so we definitely could have brought in that argumentation piece to talk about like what is an ideal distance because you know if you're dropping it, some of the kids started with like three inches, um, and you know they did that all the way throughout, but there wasn't um, there wasn't really a significant difference because the the impact critter was so small oh, because it didn't have enough. Interesting. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, that could have – and then when you wrap up, you could have used that, like, with the validity of the data and things like that, mm-hmm. too, like, comparing all that. I like that.
1: Well, and then we had, like, the opposite where kids were dropping it from, like, you know, the top of their head. And um, and then the ball would, like, slide across because oh. it had so much momentum. It was, like, you know, it was creating these giant craters because it was rolling across the, yeah. the flower that we were using.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. So that's yeah. interesting, too, because then like refining what is the ideal.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that brings Definitely. in kind of like an engineering component also, because you're looking for like that optim- you know, optimization or like the optimal design, even of just an experiment. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, it's
1: also it like... It's also a good idea to when you're doing any type of investigation to have students share their data with the rest of the class in some way. Um, Because a lot of times when you put all of the data together, then it allows them to see like that they messed up or, you know, that they have something completely and totally weird. Um, So like one of the things that I do is I use like a Google sheet and share it with a class and then have them list their data and then Um, projected in the front of the classroom so that Mm -hmm. they can all see and then you can like look at things like outliers and um stuff like that so you can kind of bring in that um that math and computational thinking to that analyzing and interpreting data
0: yeah that's awesome yeah and yeah well and then you're bringing in another practice Mm -hmm. like yeah tying those two practices together so that's perfect too
1: yeah and then um one of the things that the matrix fork really focuses on for middle school is looking at large data sets Mm -hmm. so if you're grouping all of the data from your entire class um then you can really deal with bigger data sets um where it's difficult for students
0: to generate
1: large data sets on their own
0: right just with time constraints and everything okay so so far we said like Analyzing data and computational math and computational thinking, like obviously, you can do a real good tie there. Um, mm-hmm. Asking questions and planning and carrying out investigations and then engaging in argument—that's like a nice little bundle. Um, modeling mm-hmm. and and engaging in an argument is a nice bundle. We kind of mm-hmm. referenced a little bit. Um, what are some other practices that you like to combine?
1: Um, so I think that most of our audience is middle school, but we also have some people who are high school teachers who listen to us. So I think that, um, mathematics and computational thinking and planning and carrying out investigations, um, comes together in a whole different way in high school. Um, Mm -hmm. because we kind of talked about it already, but when students are choosing their, um, choosing what they're using to measure. So if they're using like a beaker or a graduated cylinder or whatever, oh, um, that um, that you can talk about measurement error Yeah. Um, in a whole different way in high school. Um, and, you know, talking about things like significant figures and stuff like that um, really brings in that mathematics and computational thinking.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because the high school, you're also dealing with things like ratios, rates, percentages, unit conversions, mm-hmm. all that stuff. So it's like more – more complicated ways of measuring things. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, definitely. The unit conversions are a big thing too. And the, the ratio, like thinking about ratios with unit conversions.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's a good
1: one. Yeah. That's what happens when you teach high school chemistry like that. That's that's always where my mind goes is that math piece. (laughs) Yeah. That's not my
0: favorite
1: <laughs> I know I like I heard your voice change as soon as I started <laughs> talking about math yeah, you were like, like oh mm, yeah no
0: thank you <laughs> um so true um yeah so do you have any like what other combinations or do you have any do you have any other offhand that you uh I don't know okay I really What's love oh, oh I got
1: one <laughs> okay you can go for it it's well, you go first and then I'll go.
0: Okay. So I was going to say, I really like developing models and constructing explanations because I find, so I mean, constructing explanations can, it can be like oral explanations and you, you'll you see like there's a little asterisk on the standards always um, that says like they can be pictures or oral whatever or written or like explanations don't have to be in words necessarily, but A lot of times we have always just relied on students writing out an explanation, right? Like we give them a question and they write their answer out. Um, But I really like, and for my assessments, I do a lot of like drawing and not like every drawing is a model, but drawings can be really easy ways to incorporate modeling that don't require a lot of either technology or a lot of um, like uh, materials, you know, things like that. And when you have students like do a drawing, so obviously a drawing that is a model is first of all only going to have the relevant relevant parts in it. Like if you're showing a a model of like wind moving on a beach, you're not going to put beach chairs in your picture, right? So our students need to learn like what drawings constitute a model and what don't. But, um, but having them do a drawing to like illustrate something happening and then annotating that drawing so I always just say like give me captions you know show me like what you cannot see show me what's too small to see or maybe what's too big to see refer to it in some way show me like the energy is moving you know using this kind of symbol or that kind of symbol Um, but I think those kind of drawings so that those kind of models can be really good explanations for students who might otherwise struggle with the like writing component or like putting all of their thoughts into words component.
1: Yeah, I like that. I think that um you can see the difference in the way that our brains work because I uh, I feel like constructing explanations is the one science and engineering practice where it's so important, but I feel like my brain just falls apart because I feel like I'm trying to teach writing and wow. I I don't feel good about that. So
0: So that's um, so funny cuz uh, I like hardly ever I mean, I want to see some words because a picture can't yeah. explain everything. But I'm always just like, show me a picture. <laughs> like, um, draw me a picture of this and show me how it works and give me all those little symbols. And I oh, that know, makes I me remember. feel so
1: much better about it because I feel like I avoid it because That's I funny.
0: don't want to
1: talk about writing.
0: Yeah, no, I don't. I don't really do. I don't know. I. I mean, the population I worked with was a lot of. Um, I mean, like, let's just say, like, writing wasn't there. They were way below grade level in writing. Mm-hmm. So getting them to write was a challenge. Getting them mm-hmm. to, like, take time to put things in into words, like, just sitting down, and it took them a lot of time. You didn't mm-hmm. get very good quality stuff. And so – and there's a lot that they left out. Like, there was a lot of – there's a lot of meaning that you can see in pictures or understanding, I think, than compared to, like, written words – you know, even if you're like, how does energy move to, like, Earth from the sun? And they tell you, oh, well, energy moves, um, like, by radiation, but then they draw a picture, you know, like, energy waves or, I don't know, something like that. But then they draw a picture and they show, like, little bubbles moving toward, or, like, dashes or something moving toward Earth. You can kind of ask them, like what are these dashes? Like, is it light waves? Are we talking like little particles? Do you think they're particles moving to our earth? You know what I mean? Like you can kind of see a little bit more about how they are envisioning it when they're, when they're not very good at putting their ideas to words, which sometimes I'm not, Um, or when they are, then when they're drawing, because sometimes you can just see a little bit more when they're drawing.
1: Oh, I love that. I'm totally going to steal that because I feel like I like that idea of using captions, as your explanation rather than yes you know like yeah and it's, well, it's, such it's, a, it's a lot
0: less intimidating too because they don't feel like they have to write like a bunch of paragraphs it's like I have to write a few sentences here a few sentences here like maybe just a couple words here that show like this squiggle means xyz you know mm-hmm. it it's a, I think it's like more accessible to a lot of students and I'm not saying you should never teach writing because I think obviously writing is a skill that we need to have but I'm just saying that there's sometimes when I just want to know if you know the science stuff and not if you can write an essay right now
1: yeah definitely
0: so so those are that's when I love to combine developing models and constructing explanations and I do it all the time on like assessments because I think that's just like a great way to see what they can come up with
1: I I do that too but I didn't think about like being able to check off that box like
0: yeah yeah. well as long as it's like I mean, so as long as you're you're asking them for like an NGSS model, again, so like only has those relative components, it's being used for something to explain or predict or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think it just like, you know, then it, it is modeling or an element of modeling, you know, it's or showing you like things that are too small to see or too big, mm-hmm. to, you know, it's like showing that scale kind of thing. Then it's mm-hmm. not like, it's not just a picture. It's beyond that. Because yeah. a picture would yeah. show the beach and the dolphins and the lawn chairs and the beach ball, but like mm-hmm. a model is going to show you, no, this is the wind direction and this is the evidence that shows it's the wind direction. Yeah. Good, so. Good stuff. Yeah. Um. What was the one that you? Canceled?
1: So, uh, so I think um, defining problems and designing solutions. And I think that that is one that I've always, um. Those, that's a combination that I've avoided until this school year because I've kind of been, avoiding those engineering pieces Uh and science and engineering practices. Yeah. Um, But we're talking about it more and more um, within my classroom where we're specifically looking at what the problem is and then figuring out what the solution is pretty soon thereafter or, you know, after at the end of our lesson sequence. So kind of thinking about those as like bookends
0: in our
1: lesson sequence.
0: Yeah. That's, that's good. And that has, like, a real-world application, too. Mm-hmm. I feel like so many teachers do avoid engineering. I mean, I for sure did until I, 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 I didn't even understand. So my problem was my only experiences with engineering were always, like, let's build a parachute to see which one falls the best. It's not related to anything you're learning about. <laughs> right. And or build a bridge. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, let's make a spaghetti bridge. Like, okay, that's fun, mm-hmm. and it could be a team-building thing, but it's – but th- but that was my, you know, that was my experience with it. Where in reality, engineering is literally just, like, applying science to, like, solve a problem. So there's your real-world connection. You know, if you have a piece of content that you're just like, I don't even know how this relates to anything. I mean, see if you can just f- find a way that it relates to a, a problem in the real world and then work mm-hmm. on solving it. Um But, yeah, that's just, like, a really good way that you can tie in content to, like, any real world thing is just find, like, an actual problem that exists. But I for sure didn't incorporate engineering um, until I kind of understood, like, what it was. And then what's interesting, too, is engineering I also thought was all just, like, building things, like, building Mm -hmm. spaghetti bridges and (laughs) and parachutes and – roller coasters where in reality like it's just it is just solving problems so you can come up with like a a way to optimize how people get food in the lunchroom and that's Mm -hmm. like solving a problem you know there's engineers that literally just figure out how we can get your food to you faster at chick-fil-a um and chick-fil-a is really good do you guys have chick-fil-a so side note this is such a tangent but chick-fil-a has really good chicken and they always get you your food so fast
1: yeah, so this is like a new thing to me because we we never had Chick-fil-A growing up and then by the time that there was like Chick-fil-A around me, I realized I had a gluten allergy. So oh. I, I never had it and then I found out that they have um, gluten-free buns. So um, so yeah, have I know m- all about it.
0: So when I lived in North Carolina, I, didn't, I never went to Chick-fil-A even though there was like a thing down there and it wasn't until I moved back to Erie like, years and years, like, literally years later now, it was, like, 2012 when I left there, um, or 2013, whatever, um, but that I had, like, we got a Chick-fil-A here, and, I mean, I'm, so, on, on one hand, I'm, like, I, I don't like, like, fast food is not the healthiest, you know, for you, so I'm, like, okay, I don't mm-hmm. want to be one of those moms that just take their kids through the Chick-fil-A drive through all the time. But at the same time, I'm like, Chick-fil-A is delicious and I don't have to get out like my three children out of their car seats. So maybe we're going to have Chick-fil-A for lunch today. Yeah. Um, but yeah, their spicy yeah. chicken sandwich is really good. Anyway, so yeah. I a little the, fun um, turned, But their spicy chicken sandwich. No, I like it. So good. Um,
1: <laughs> no, the nearest Chick-fil-A is like 20 minutes away. So that kind of <sighs> – I, like, I can always be very like, high and mighty, like, oh, we don't eat fast food, but it's just because there isn't anything yeah. I can eat. So, <laughs>
0: um, yeah, no, I, I've like slowly gotten rid of my high and mighty attitudes as I've added children. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: funny like, the how that first happens, kid,
0: I'm huh? like, she's not having fast food, she's not having a bunch of sugar. I think her first like real sweet, sweet was like her one year old birthday, and then like the second kid was like, I mean, he's still it was. It still it wasn't like he was 5 months old and eating like cupcakes, but he definitely probably had a cookie before his first birthday. Um and then kid number 3, sometimes I just feel like I have this urge to just give him pretzels and he's 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 like 8 months now, but he's not really eating much solid food, mostly cuz I'm lazy. Um but sometimes I just have the urge to just hand him a pretzel and I have to be like, "No, he's not allowed to have pretzels yet." <laughs> so, who knows what he's going to eat by the time he's one?
1: <laughs> oh gosh, I don- I only have the one, so it's easy for me to be like, "Oh well, we didn't." She has yeah. to eat what we eat, or you know, but right. yeah,
0: but this is funny. Like, when I, the kids
1: outnumber the adults, then you got to do what you got to do.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just funny because I was I was super. I don't know. I wasn't like super crazy obnoxious, but I was like secretly in my head a little bit judgmental, like mm-hmm. with the first one, and then now that we're we're on to three, I'm like, yeah. I think when I was pregnant with Lucas, it was like I want to go or I I'm home with the kids today I don't have the energy to take them anywhere to actually do anything but they're destroying our house so let's just get in the car and go get donuts <laughs> like and I'm just gonna drive around for a little bit and you guys can sit in your car seats because I'm really <laughs> tired and don't feel like dealing with you uh but anyway oh uh, yeah the joys of motherhood I know right some little tangent there hopefully everybody doesn't yeah I don't know report me to like ccis or something like that
1: i mean is that what they call it out there oh that's different uh, we're like yeah. we're cps or cws
0: oh no I, we're like c i think it's ccis or cis mm-hmm. one of those all these things i don't know anyway um but i mean the worst that i'm telling him I, I mean i put my kid in a car seat and i fed them donuts like it's fine they'll survive yeah i, I, I definitely heard worse <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we were talking about oh engineering and I don't even know how we got into Chick-fil-A. I have absolutely no idea. Cuz
1: we were talking about
0: designing solutions. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Like but there are engineers out there whose job it is to figure out how to arrange a McDonald's or a Chick-fil-A to like make it the most optimized, you know, order, like assembly order or whatever. Systems, yeah, you definitely. know? Like so so engineering, oh yeah. So and the point was engineering can be like systems. So you can have students designing solutions that aren't like building things but rather like approaches to things. Like how could we even like okay, earthquake safety, maybe you're not focused on building a device or a building that's earthquake safe, rather how can we commu- create a system to communicate with a, a amount of people. And Maybe it's like um, some sort of phone tree, or not not really be phone tree anymore. But you know what I mean. Like back in the day, yeah. that might have been something that it's a system. You're just solving problems. Well,
1: yeah, and it um, I think that those also pair really well with like the human impact standards. Yeah, um, because you're looking at like what are you contributing to the problem, and how can you um, how can you contribute a little less damage to the environment?
0: Yes. Right. Yeah. I like, I always like those standards. My go-to when I'm looking for a real world application, most of the time is like an environmental tie, just because it's just, it is easy to, we have a huge impact on our environment. So it's like, obviously there's a real world impact there. So if you're looking for a real world tie, check out some sort of environmental thing.
1: Well, in um, California, we have this thing called the E, P, and Cs, I think it's the Environmental Practices and Concepts, oh. and there's supposed to be standards that we're all teaching in our classrooms, but everybody that I've talked to um, in California is like, what? What are those? Oh. So um, <laughs> so that's a nice way to incorporate those as okay. well.
0: Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. All right, so we'll like wrap this episode up, I think, unless we have anything else, but I feel like if we like how would you say to start because i feel like we are saying okay let's just combine these practices and there's probably a lot of teachers who are like i don't even know how to incorporate a single practice and now you want me to start combining practices so like what would be what do you think would be like a really simple way to start doing this
1: um i think that when you're starting your school year you try to choose like one science and engineering practice that you're using. So like in seventh grade, I always start with modeling. And then I think that once your students have kind of mastered that component, then you can bring in another science and engineering practice and then put those two together. So kind of plan strategically Mm -hmm. which science and engineering practice you're going to use first and second, and then try to find a way to incorporate those two together.
0: Nice. Okay. So you're just like building on... Mm -hmm. Um, And I would say, like, along those lines, don't feel like you have to, okay, so you look at developing and using models, and it's, like, the whole thing says, like, a practice to use and construct models for representing ideas and explanations. Like, don't feel like you have to have them do that whole thing. I would look at, like, Mm -hmm. a component, like, evaluate limitations of a model for a proposed object or tool, or, like, develop and revise a model to show the relationships among variables, Pre- yeah so like I would choose what just one element to to focus on in like one day like so if you know modeling is what you're going to kind of focus your unit on and like building students modeling skills I still would just focus on like one specific element of that within like you know on a day-to-day time frame
1: yeah definitely or, like, and I, like build that depth over time like every yes. time that you reintroduce modeling kind of you know tell your students again, hey, this is modeling, and this is kind of another aspect of it.
0: Right. Like, let's say you have them draw, like, a picture to show, describe a phenomena. Maybe the next time you ask them to, okay, I want you to add, or it doesn't even have to be super later, like, it could be just right after. Okay, now let's look at the unobservable mechanisms that are happening there, you know? So you're, Mm -hmm. like, adding the different components of models, not doing everything all at once.
1: Yeah. Yes, and then you're incorporating the science and engineering practice of scale proportion and quantity as well. So we'll get or into the cross that. Concept. In, Did you say
0: practice or yeah, or cross cross-cutting concept. concepts? But, right. Yeah. Yes. Then yeah. you're doing the cross-cutting concepts. And yes, that is um, an episode that's coming up. I think it's not the next one, the one after. Um, we're going to be looking at cross-cutting concepts. So. So we'll, like, dive deeper into how you can incorporate those next. Sounds good. Soon, shortly. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. anyway, thanks for hanging out with us. And sorry for the Chick-fil-A um, ramble in the middle. <laughs> but I'm totally going to leave that there. I'm not editing that out. I just, I'm just going to do it. Good. Do it. Do it. Anyway, so have a great day, guys.
1: <laughs> Bye. Making sure that your lessons are three-dimensional isn't always easy. While you don't need to include all three dimensions every single day, you do wanna make sure that each dimension is regularly addressed. I developed a really simple 3D planner to help keep me focused. It helps me track which pieces I'm using in my daily lesson plans. It only takes me five minutes to fill out and it helps me notice patterns in my own lesson planning. For example, when I first started using it, I noticed I wasn't including the cross-cutting concepts as often as I thought I was. Just by recognizing this, I was able to focus on this one piece and improve my lessons. Right now, you can grab the same template that I use for my own planning for free. Go to sadlerscience.com 3D Planner to grab yours. That's sadlerscience.com 3D Planner.